0: Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10:30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. All right. Good morning, Christ Community Church. All right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Mom and Dad are in Phoenix this morning, roughing it. Been there all week. Dad's been playing golf, so everybody, we'll take a picture here for him. Could you all kind of scooch in, Uh, say hi? There we go. All right, all right. Before we get going, um, cool thing happening. Uh, It's going to happen if we could throw up a. We got some people here at church, some of our own, who on February tenth at nine o'clock they'll be on Shark Tank. So Dale King and Renee Wallace will be on Shark Tank. Uh, it's really cool, <laughs> Renee. Can you please get him to stop wearing those shorts? There's some things you just can't unsee. For goodness' sakes, Carolyn, do you have any? Do you have any sway here? Oh, anyway, but <laughs> be sure to tune in and support him. All right? It's really cool, right? All right. We are continuing our sermon series, Go and Tell, and this morning we're talking about the convincing gospel. And so it's kind of my challenge to talk about what the gospel is, what it's not, how you can trust it, how you can have faith in Christianity, how you can really believe that, that Christianity is true and how you can share it with others. And here's the problem. If you haven't noticed, Christianity is shrinking in the United States. The fastest, when they survey people and they ask, okay, what are you, you know, are you Christian, Muslim, Jew, whatever, the fastest growing number are the nuns, N-O-N-E, saying I have no religion. That's the fastest growing group. Now, I think this guy's just simply, we just have not done a very good job of talking to people about Jesus and letting them know what the faith is all about. And then part of the problem is, what people think Christianity is, what they disbelieve in, is not true biblical Christianity. For example... There, is a, there are four things there in your outline. The first one is kind of a snobby Christianity. But what I mean by that is an overly academic view of the faith. You can go to like ChristianBook.com and you can get books on Christianity written by some very well-meaning professors. And you read it and you're like, what in the world is that? And you won't even recognize it. There are some professors out there who mean very well, but at the core, what they're, what they, they're almost like a cross between a lawyer and the godfather. They make you an offer you can't understand, right? And so it, you have no idea what they're talking about. And yet the Bible is very clear that, that the gospel is very simple. It's very, very simple. At the core of the Christian faith, the message is simple. Now, it's simple, but it's not shallow. Christianity is simple but not shallow, which brings me to to number two, fluffy Christianity. This fluffy Christianity where it's all all about being nice. We just have to be nice. I wonder if these people think that it's all about being nice. I'm not anti-nice. Don't get me wrong. I'm not pro-jerk. But to say that you can read the Bible and you can be a biblical Christian and never offend people? Oh, come on. And there's that other fluffy Christianity, that's all about goosebumps and all about good feelings, all that stuff. That is not what Christianity is about. I have a buddy named Mike Adams. He's a professor down at North Carolina, and, and uh, he, he's he's really good at ticking people off, even better than me. And I consider myself a pro. And he's really good. And it, it, on his Facebook posts, especially, of course, you can't say anything on Facebook. Without just you can talk about the weather, and somebody's going to get upset on Facebook for some reason. But, And he said something one time, and somebody said, how dare you call yourself a Christian? Jesus would never say things like that. Jesus would never say anything controversial like that. He said, yeah, if Jesus said anything controversial, they may have crucified him. So I'm not, the fluffy Christianity, it's all about being nice. That's not what Christianity is about either. The third thing Christianity is not, and this is a big problem, especially in like Christian radio and and Christian TV. This is Santa Claus Christianity. That if you're just really good, God will just give you stuff. Now, please show me in the New Testament where it says that God will just give you all kinds of stuff and that that's what it's about. You think about this Christianity is not about you being comfortable, it's not about you having stuff. It's not even about you being successful. I hope you are successful at whatever you do. But that's not what Christianity is about. In fact, the founder of our faith was a homeless man who was tortured and died with nothing. Fortunately, he rose again. But he says a servant is not above their master. Why should we expect more on earth than Jesus? The Bible doesn't promise to fix all our problems. I had it, somebody Facebook me this week, send me a message, said, hey, I got a buddy, he's really struggling, and, and, and he sent me a copy of the, his Facebook post. And he's like, I've been looking for a job. I can't find a job. You know, why would God do this to me? i was like, that's not God doing that to you, bub. That, that, that's, you know, God nowhere promises that he's going to fix all of your problems. In fact, if you follow Christ, you're going to get more problems. This life is a test and trial for the next slide, Santa Claus Christianity is not biblical Christianity. We don't get stuff. We don't get health. We don't get success. We get salvation. That's what it's about, being reconciled to God, and that is worth more than anything else. So I don't believe in Santa Claus Christianity. And here's the fourth one. This is a big one, unfortunately, especially in this area. Maybe it's everywhere. I don't know. But I just hear about it all the time. The I'm better than you Christianity. I hear like people who say, I invite people to church, and they're like, oh, I don't know. You know, there's such and such there, and, and, and they're mad at me or whatever. And, and, and folks, if God has forgiven someone, Who are you to hold something against them? Do you hear what I'm saying? And if somebody walks in the door to a church seeking God, that is something to be celebrated, not looked down upon. We want anyone and anyone who who wants to know about God to come in and sit down. If there's such a thing as the worst sinner inside a County, I hope they come to Christ Community Church and are welcome here because you need to understand. I've said this before. I will say it again. The church God designed is an emergency room for sinners, not a country club for saints. Now, all that being said, because you've got to do some work to dispel those false Christianities out there so people really understand what in the world you're living and doing. But the biggest problem that we face is that in the culture today, people really don't believe that they need salvation, that they need church, that they need. They think, that they think they're just okay. I'm a good person. What difference does it make? This is the biggest stumbling block I see out there. This is why you have this rise of the so-called nuns, these people who are not, not N-U-N, nun, but N-O-N-E-S, and I don't believe in anything, and I don't believe in any organized religion kind of nuns. They think they're okay. Now, according to these surveys, they believe in God. They even believe in hell. They just only think like half a dozen people are going. It's like Hitler, other third world dictators, people listening to Nickelback, people like that. They're the only people going to hell and that everybody else is just fine. Is that what the Bible teaches? What does Jesus say? And people get really upset when you start talking about hell. They think you're being really judgmental and narrow when you talk about hell. The problem with that is the person who talks about hell the most in the Bible is Jesus. He talks about it all the time. And so we've got to get this across. Now, now, Here's one of the things you can do. When you're talking to people about this, they really have questions. If they don't really have questions, they're not seeking. You're really wasting your time, and you just have to pray for them and be patient. I was an atheist for 10 years. Um, My parents prayed for me for a decade, my mom especially. I think my dad just wanted to shoot me, but my mom was praying for me. And she prayed for 10 years. She didn't give up on me. It finally got to the point where it was a health crisis that brought me to faith. Sometimes that's just the way it happens. And so if a person has absolutely no interest, this is what Jesus is talking about, casting pearls before swine. What happens if you throw a pearl to a pig? They don't know what to do with it. They might sniff it, might try to eat it, but they don't know what it is. And it's the same way. If you've got somebody that's not seeking, if they're just just completely made themselves deaf, you're wasting your time. You need to pray for them and move on. But if they're really seeking, and they're asking questions, you need to be prepared to give answers. 1 Peter 3.15 says you need to be prepared to give a reason, a defense of the hope that you have. And I will give you four things real quick, real simple, things that people need to think about. Here's one. Here's one of the reasons we know we can trust the Bible and Christianity. We know for a fact, you don't even have to go to the Bible for this, that the universe had a beginning. We know this for a fact. Scientists call it the Big Bang. We call it Genesis 1-1. We know the universe had a beginning. Well, who created it? Stuff does not just sporadically make stuff. Uh, last night, I painfully watched Kentucky lose to Kansas. I'm not really looking forward to March anymore now. Um, and, and so what usually happens, my one big cheat meal of the week is Pizza. I recommend it as your cheap meal. I love pizza. And so we ordered a pizza. You have to order pizza if you want pizza, or you have to make pizza if you want pizza. You cannot just sit there and wait for the universe to just randomly create a pizza for you and pop into your lap. It doesn't happen. Something has to make stuff. Stuff that exists is made. And what Einstein proved, you know who Einstein is, a guy with the wacky hair, right? right? What Einstein proved was that time, space, and matter all came into existence at the same time, which means you need something outside of time, space, and matter to make it. This is God. Second point, the odds of the universe creating, even if you get past the beginning, of there existing a planet like planet Earth, so finely designed to support human life, the odds are astronomically against it just happening. I I mean, like, to the billionth degree. It's like impossible to one. Those are like the odds. The fact that we have this planet so perfectly fine-tuned for life is evidence of a creator. Number three. If you look at the prophecies of the Old Testament, in fact, you can go to Isaiah. And I have a friend who does this. I have a buddy up in Ohio State named James Rackford. And what he does is he, he makes a copy of different prophecies. Then he takes out the Bible verses from them. So you just have the text of the prophecies. And then he has people read them. They don't know they're from the Bible. They don't know from the Old Testament. He says, read this. And they read it and say, who's that sound like? It sounds like Jesus. And then he tells them, okay, this was written hundreds of years before Jesus. The prophecies of the Old Testament predicting Jesus' coming are incredible. Number four. Here's what we also know. We know that the people who wrote the Bible, who wrote the New Testament, excuse me, claimed to have seen Jesus Christ die and be resurrected, and they suffered persecution and even death rather than to deny what they claimed they saw. They got nothing out of it. No money, no fame, they got nothing out of it except for persecution. The apostle Paul actually literally lost his head over it. They chopped it off. They crucified Peter upside down. And all he had to do was say, Caesar is Lord. I don't know what this Jesus thing you're talking about is. All they had to do was deny it. And typically, when people make up something, they do it either for profit, for fame, and they're certainly not willing to die for it. They made no money, they lost their positions. And they were tortured and killed for it rather than deny. That's how you can know that the faith is a fact. No other religion can claim this, by the way. None. I've taught this before. I'll probably teach it again. I taught a class on why I'm a Christian and not a Mormon, why I'm a Christian and not a Muslim, why I'm a Christian. and And I ran through all that stuff. All the problems that those faiths have that ours doesn't. You can believe this. It's not just blind faith. And you should, as a result, share it. Yeah. <coughs> How many of you have seen, uh, watched the TV show, Sherlock, BBC? Only a few of you? What are you doing with your time? I'm embarrassed for you. Um, I know there's another show about Sherlock. on t- I don't watch that one, that, that I like the one with um, with Doctor Strange in it. That one, that's that's my my favorite one. And, and it, it, uh, he's got a special gift. Right, the character Sherlock has a special gift and of of observation of this kind of being able to step back and see things as they are. Like here's a clip. Roll it.
1: OK, you've got questions. Yeah, where are we going? Crime scene, next. Who are you? What do you do? What do you think? I'd say private detective. But? but? the police don't go to private detectives. I'm a consulting detective. The only one in the world that invented the job. What does that mean? It means when the police are out of their depth, which is always, they consult me. The police don't consult amateurs. When I met you for the first time yesterday, I said Afghanistan or Iraq. You looked surprised. Yes, how did you know? I didn't know. I saw. Your haircut, the way you hold yourself, says military. But your conversation, as you entered the room, a bit different from my day. Said so trained at bar, so army doctor, obvious. Your face is tanned, but no tan above the wrists. You've been abroad, but not sunbathing. The lip's really bad, but you walk, but you don't ask for a chairman, you stand like you've forgotten about it. So it's he's partly psychosomatic. That says the original circumstances of the injury were traumatic. Wounded in action, then. Wounded in action, Santan, Afghanistan, or Iraq. You said I had a therapist. got a psychosomatic nib, but of course you've got a therapist. And there's your brother. Hmm? Your phone, it's expensive, email-enabled, MP3 player. Are you looking for a flat oh, You wouldn't waste money on this. It's a gift, then. Scratch is not one many over time. It's been in the same pocket as keys and coins. Man sitting next to me wouldn't treat as one luxury item like this. So it's had a previous owner. next bit's easy. you know it already. The engraving. Harry Watson, clearly a family member who's given you his old phone. Not your father, this is a young man's gadget. Could be a cousin, but you're a war hero who can't find a place to live. Unlikely you've got an extended family, certainly not one you're close to, so brother it is. Now, Clara, who's Clara? Three kisses says there's a romantic attachment at the expense the phone, says wife, not girlfriend. He must have given it to him recently. This model's only six months old. <laughs> Marriage in trouble, then. Six months old, he's just given it away. If she'd left him, he would have kept it. People do. Sentiment. But no, he wanted rid of it. He left her. He gave the phone to you. That says he wants you to stay in touch. You're looking for cheap accommodation, and you're not going to your brother for help. It says you've got problems with him. Maybe you liked his wife. Maybe you don't like his drinking. How can you possibly know about the drinking? Shot in the dark. Good one, though power connection tiny little scuff marks around the edge of it every night goes to plug it into charge but his hands are shaking you never see those marks on a sober man's phone never see it drunks without them there you go see so you were right i was right right about what the police don't consult amateurs that was amazing
0: Oh, uh, if just everybody could be that objective, that observant, you could talk to people that way, and they would just, oh, you body, okay, fine, bring me to the baptistry, right? Wouldn't that be great? But it's not their way because the other big problem we have is just the emotions. People largely make decisions based on emotions; they just do. Right? They're not like Sherlock. They, they, they don't do that. They they follow their emotions. So let's talk about that for just a second. Christianity. It is the only religion I know that meets every single psychological, emotional need that people have. If you look at what psychologists run down as, what are the needs? What needs do we have as people? Number one, certainty. We need some certainty in our lives. We need a kind of stable ground on which to, to, to stand and view the world. We just have to have that. We have to have some stability or else we just get all kinds of stressed out. I'm here to tell you the only thing I know of that's absolutely certain is that Paul writes about in Romans 8, where he says that absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. The only thing that is absolutely certain in life, I'm telling you, people will betray you. People will lie to you. Your health will go away. It doesn't matter. I work out six times a week, uh, six days a week. I, I, you know, I try to eat right. And one day I will get very sick and die. It's just going to happen. You know, your health can go. All kinds of things could happen. The one thing you can be certain of, the only thing you can be certain of, is nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. That's the only real certainty we have. That's one. Number two, significance. We all want to feel a little special. We all want to feel like we, we, we matter. And, and the, the fact is that nobody matters as much as they think they do. Uh, I see this all the time. Some people get really paranoid about even going into crowds because they think they're being judged all the time, when the simple fact is what most people are usually thinking about is themselves. It's not our fault. We're with ourselves 24-7, so it just happens. happens. And so we usually think about ourselves. Here's the problem. The only, again, the only certainty I know is the only true significance we have is from that love of God, that God knows us. Jesus goes so far, he says, you know, he says that the hairs on our head are counted, are numbered. God knows us that well. I am absolutely convinced that if everybody here, save me, were perfect. If I was the only sinner, Jesus Christ would have come to earth and died just for me. I am absolutely convinced of that. And if, you, if you're not convinced of that, I want you to read the Gospels really carefully. Because Jesus hangs on the cross for roughly six hours. And theologians have long asked, why? Why six hours? I mean, if he hung on the cross for six seconds, it would have done it. He just had to die in our place. Why six hours? If you read the Gospels carefully, after three hours, one of the people who is crucified with him looks at him and confesses faith in him. And then three hours later, a Roman soldier confesses faith in him. I believe Jesus hung on the cross three hours for a thief on another cross and hung on the cross another three hours for one Roman soldier. That's where you get your significance from. That if you were the only sinner, Jesus would die just for you. That's significant. Number three, love and community. We want to be loved. We want to be part of a community. If church does its job right, that's exactly what we do. If we can get over our our judgmental attitudes, looking down our nose at other people, which Jesus had a lot to say about, by the way, if we can get over that and just embrace people and love people and not be, because today we're just like, there's so much tribalism today, isn't there? So many just like cliques, almost like high school cliques. And we've got to get over that and just love everyone. And if we do that, if the church does its job, if they really follow Jesus, the only place you're going to find true love and community is within the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And part of the reason for that is this, as I've said before. If you come to faith in Jesus Christ, one of the things that will wreck you is you come to realize you're no better than anyone else. I've said this before. I've said it many times before. Let me say it again. You need to understand, in the universe, there are two tiers, Jesus and everybody else. There ain't no champagne room there. There's no VIP section. There's Jesus and everyone else. Love and community. Fourth, growth. What people need are growth. We need to grow. All right. The only way you're really going to grow is if you grow closer to God and you really study your scriptures and you pray and, you, and you, you love others. That's the only way you really grow. The only way you get outside of your selfish desires and so forth is to give yourself to other people. If you really love others and you're really studying scriptures, as I said, the gospel is simple. The Bible is deep, and you will never master it. You'll never get, you'll go, you'll go. You'll learn, you'll grow, but you'll never master. It's perpetual growth. We need to feel like we're helping others, that we're actually impacting other people. If you live a life for Jesus Christ, that will happen. If you don't, it won't. And, and it's true, you can volunteer for all kinds of groups. You can volunteer for different charities. That's great. That's wonderful. But the only way to have an eternal impact is to love people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the only way we really, really help others. And finally, six, we crave adventure. Now, you wouldn't know it by looking at us because typically the lives we live, I'll hit on this again, most of us get up, throw some caffeine in us, go to work, come home, turn on the TV, wash, rinse, repeat, Right? And that's just our life. But that's not the life God designed for us. We were not designed to arrive safely at our deathbeds. We were designed for adventure. We were designed to do And if you follow Jesus, it'll be many things, but it won't be boring. It'll be frustrating. It'll be painful. But it will not be boring. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says this. says that you need to understand, Peter writes and says that Satan is prowling around you. You get in the fight. You jump in, and you get involved in other people's lives, and you really start living the Christian life, you're going to provoke Satan, and the war is on. If you don't do anything, he's perfectly content for you to sit there and watch binge watch Netflix and waste your life. But you get into it. He will come after you. And things get interesting. Now, one of my favorite movies of all time, 1993, Tombstone. How many of you have seen Tombstone?
1: Yes,
0: now there are my people. Yes, Kurt Russell. Val Kilmer is Doc Hollywood, right? I mean, Hollywood Holiday, excuse me, Doc Hollywood's another movie. Michael J. Fox is a terrible movie. But anyway, so Tombstone is based loosely on the true story of Wyatt Earp and his brothers. Uh, Wyatt Earp had been a famous lawman in Dodge City, Kansas, earned a reputation there for, for kicking butt and taking names. And then he goes out with his brothers out to Tombstone, Arizona to try to make his fortune. The problem is when he gets there, that this group called the Cowboys run town. The Cowboys were basically one of the earliest examples of organized crime. And he gets there, and he just tries to look the other way. He said, I'm done with the law. I'm done with carrying a gun. I'm done with all that stuff. I'm just going to make my money and move on. But when you watch the movie, you're just sitting there waiting. You know at some point Wyatt Earp's going to have enough. He's gonna put the star back on. He's gonna break out his pistol and his rifle, and he's gonna go to town. Roll it.
1: That's Virgil with the women. He's mine.
0: On the board. Hey, Maddie, where's wife? Right behind you, Stilwell. <laughs> oh. Clanton. You called down the thunder, well now you got it. You see that? It says United please. States Marshal. Why? Please don't kill me, please. Take a good look at him, Mike, because that's how you're gonna end up. The Cowboys are finished, you understand me? I see a red sash, I kill a man wearing it. So run, you curse. Red, Tell all the other curs the lies coming! You tell them I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Woo! <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, he finally goes to town. And, and here's the deal, here's my point. When you go back and you read the history of the early church, they got involved they were unafraid. They they, they jumped in with both feet and they fought to spread the gospel. They fought for others. And I think the biggest problem with the church today is that we are in like perpetual practice, perpetual spring training. We never get in the game. We have Bible study after Bible study, which is great. We have an entire rack of Christian books in our home, we, we we listen to Christian music, or some of you do. I can't stand Caleb myself, but they, God bless you if you like it. That's fine. Yeah, you know, it's just too many like power ballads to Jesus for me. But anyway, it's it, all this Christian music, all this stuff we're totally surrounded by, it, and then we never share our faith. We never get involved with other people. What are we preparing for? I really think that if the church just got up off their butts and got moving and got involved and really were called to action things would change things would change not just I mean spiritually absolutely things would change tangibly I'm telling you right now I understand we just had an election. I understand elections have consequences, and it can get better or it can get worse. But I'm telling you right now, unless there is a spiritual revival in this country, I don't care who the president is, we're going to get worse. Things are never going to get better until there is a spiritual revival in this country. And there's not going to be a spiritual revival in this country until the people of God get up and get moving. We are called to action. We are called to fight. Bring the the lion on. Let's go. If we do that, things will change. Drug problem we have, crime problem we have. Whoever's president's not going to fix that. Only Jesus can fix that. And the problem is this we're way too comfortable. You think about this. You, you don't have neighbors anymore. We don't have neighborhoods anymore. We have isolated homes. And the reason for that is we have 900 channels, only two of which we watch. And it still amazes me how I, I don't, I don't understand. You know, I, I've got Time Warner Cable or now Spectrum. Sounds like something James Bond's out to defeat. I'm still puzzled. I pay all this money for like 900 channels. I watch like two. I don't know how Satan's got time to run hell when he's serving as the CEO of Time Warner Cable. But we sit there. We've got these huge TV screens. We've got Wi-Fi. We've got smartphones. We have Netflix. We have Amazon Prime. We've got 900 channels. We've got all this stuff. We basically just, and we sit there And we just entertain ourselves to death. Today, the biggest sin in America, what people fear most in America, is boredom. And so we just sit there and we spend our lives just watching stuff and not doing anything. And one of these days, if we're really lucky will be really old and lying in bed and looking back on our lives. And what do you want to have accomplished? What do you want to carry to the next life, to lay at the feet of your king? That you successfully binged watched 20-some, you know, shows on Netflix? Or you brought 20 souls to salvation in Jesus Christ? See, you know, there's a reason why we have that big board back there, which 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 is going up. We keep baptizing people. We're working on a couple of people. We've baptized 56 people in less than a year. We have a couple months left to reach that goal, and we could reach that easily if all of us just invited someone to church. We were not designed to live these little safe, insulated lives that we're all living, myself included. I, I've told you before, my, the biggest sin I struggle with, I don't want to get off the couch. I like my big TV and 900 channels. I like to watch sports, and I like to watch UFC, and I like to watch movies, and I just want to be left alone. And there's this guy named Jesus in my Bible that keeps poking me and said, get up off your butt and go do something, Man. The king of the universe died in your place, suffered and died in your place. What are you going to do in response? We'll have an entire eternity to relax. In the meantime, let's get busy. We've got work to do. There's a quote there by C.S. Lewis in your outline that I hope you, hope you read. In fact, I hope you take that outline and, just, and, and keep it there and pray about how you share your faith, how you deal with these questions. I hear it again and again. People say, oh, I don't share my faith. I don't know what to say if they say this, say that. The Bible says the Spirit will give you the words, first of all. You don't need to worry about that. And you can always say this. I'm going to teach you three little words. And they're tough for me to do, but, but these, these are really tough words for me. But... I would encourage you, if somebody asks you a question, it's perfectly acceptable to say these three little words. I don't know. I'll find out for you. I'll go ask. I don't know. That's okay. But you've got to get involved. You've got to get involved in people's lives. You've got to get to know people. I had one person told me you know, that they'd invite people to church, but they don't know any people that aren't Christians dude, get out there and get to know some other people. That's what we have to do. And we can never, ever, ever lapse into those false Christianities, especially the one where we look down our noses at others. There's no place for that in the kingdom. I don't know if you know this. If you read the Gospels, this is going to come stick out to you real quick. Who does Jesus spend most of his time with? Saints or sinners? Sinners. In fact, who is Jesus always arguing with? The religious people. Jesus is constantly calling down the religious people and constantly reaching out to the outcast and sinners. Why is it in the modern American church we've totally reversed that? A servant is not above his or her master, and Jesus is our master, and he calls us to reach out to others, even those people that do that or that or whatever, all those people. And if the church got together and just did that, then and only then will things really change, and then and only then will people outside the faith see what the faith is really all about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, your simple gospel, simple but not shallow, that you, the creator and king of the universe, left your throne, lived a perfect life, died in our place to save us from our sins, that if anybody, no matter what they've done, if they just come to you and they ask for forgiveness and they place their faith in you, they are forgiven, they are a new person, a new creation, They are a member of a kingdom with a war to fight. And I pray, I thank you for that, and I pray that everyone knows that, they share that, they live that. We are all too easily pleased. May we turn off our TVs, get up off the couch, and go reach others for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, thank you so uh, much. Um, Be sure to, one, be uh, very generous with the less fortunate as you go. God goes with you. God bless you all. See ya. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 1030 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.